0: Welcome to episode 113 of Breakout Culture. I'm Ed Vasey, the Culture Editor of Country in Townhouse.
1: And I'm Charlotte Metcalf. I'm the Associate Editor at Country in Townhouse.
0: Today we're thrilled that our guest is Ruth Wilson, the actor who plays Alice Morgan alongside Idris Elba in the BBC crime drama Luther. But that's Not nearly all, Ruth Wilson has won a Golden Globe for her role as Alison Lockhart in the Showtime series The Affair. She's been in His Dark Materials, True Things and Saving Mr Banks. She's played the title roles in both Jane Eyre in 2006 and more recently in Mrs Wilson. She's done lots of theatre, earning her two Olivia Awards as Best Actress for Hedda Gabler and Anna Christie and a third Olivia Award as Supporting Actress for Stella Kowalski in Streetcar Named Desire.
1: Now, today we're very excited because Ruth is here to tell us about starring in The Second Woman, being staged at one of our favourite theatres, The Young Vic. That sounds fairly ordinary... Until you hear that the second woman is actually an extraordinary theatrical event that goes on for twenty-four hours straight. Very simply, it's one electrifying twenty-four-hour performance that's taking place on the nineteenth of May and involves one scene, one woman, and wait for it, a hundred men. How on earth she's going to achieve this? We cannot wait to hear. Good morning, Ruth. Morning.
0: How are you? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Charlotte is Flubbox. <laughs> uh, I, am, I yes. just can't get
1: my head around this. This
0: extraordinary. <laughs> tell us, tell us about who the hundred men are. Let's just start there.
2: Um, right, I I don't know actually. Um, most of them are non actors, and most are complete strangers. So there will be a few friends and family members of my personal acquaintances of mine that drop in to kind of help me out. So that's about ten people out of the hundred. But most of them are people I would never met before; they're strangers, and and like I said, they're mainly non actors. That the kind of idea is to get people coming on that don't usually exist in this space, in this performance space, and don't aren't familiar with it. I'll, I'll to give a brief sort of background on the whole piece. Really, there's two Australian creators called Nat uh, Randall and Anna Bracken, and the two of them created this probably about five years ago in Australia, and it was put on a I think maybe the Melbourne festival, but that might be wrong, theater festival, but it became a huge hit of the festival. And people that went to watch it kept sort of wanting to go back and seeing how this woman was doing seven hours later or four hours later. And um, the scene is inspired by John Casavetti's film called Opening Night, which I don't know if you've seen it, but it's kind of about a woman in her forties, an actress who feels like she's kind of losing her power. She's playing a role on stage and it's about aging, a woman aging. And in the way it's shot is really about that kind of gray line between performance and reality and how this woman becomes kind of, its almost she's almost becomes method in the way that she's performing and she sort of loses herself in the process of finding that character. So there's a sort of play on all those things really happening in this piece. And what they found is they had, the scene is only five minutes long, five to seven minutes long, depending on how long (laughs) the performer likes taking up the space (laughs) or I like taking up the space. But they come on, they learn a scene. I learn that scene too. And then they could improvise around a few bits and that's it. Then they go off again. I mean, there's a few things that happen in the scene and the audience will be able to see that, you know, the repetition of that scene is quite interesting for an audience. There's things that I will be doing that will be exactly the same each time choreographically or movement-wise or something else I'm doing. And that makes the differences even more acute. But what I think you'll find, and what you should find, is that, one, it will sort of be a study of human nature, really. You're watching all these men and how different they interpret that scene, how different they deal with that environment and that pressure and that space, how different they deal with how they interact with me. Also, I will change according to, one, my (laughs) levels of tiredness and exhaustion but also how I think each person I will have to kind of negotiate each person and that will be I hope quite interesting for people to watch there's nothing planned there's no rehearsals so I won't have met any of these people before and I'll have to just sort of work out how they're how, what they're giving me, and, and sort of react off it.
1: So who's chosen who who these 100
2: people, who these hundred men are? And they're all called Marty, are they? You're called... I'm called Virginia, yeah. and they're called Marty, and they're the characters from the film, or the names of the characters from the film. The young Vic did a quite a rigorous sort of process, uh, audition process. I mean, many of the men didn't know what they were auditioning for initially, so they were sort of going along, workshopping for something else. I don't actually know the ins and outs of how they've done it, but they, from that, they gathered about 60 people. And then we have sort of friends of friends of friends or other people we've kind of pulled in as well who, you know, we want the broader range as possible. Uh, Ages, backgrounds, races, identities. We kind of want to pull in as many different people as possible. So that's been what the Young Vic have been doing
1: and it's, it's about a relationship sort of
2: breaking down is it or just how men well, it can react be to... an, it, yeah. it can be interpreted how you like really it's a it is a scene that obviously there's a sort of it's a complicated relationship scene i mean it, it actually it's not got a great deal of language but the there's lots of air within it so this is quite extraordinary i mean
1: how what on earth drew you to this marathon and how on earth are you going to prepare to stick through 24 hours straight on stage without... I mean, don't you have to have a pee and all that kind of
2: thing? Yeah, well, every two hours (laughs) I get a 15-minute break. Okay. Um, So I do get to go off, but, you know, that's going to be very... I mean, they'll feel sort of... I don't know what they'll feel. They'll either feel like salves or really annoying, you know. I don't know. I'll kind of see how I feel. But I have no real idea. I've never done anything like this before. I The reason... I don't know why I took it. I think I'm probably a bit... I'm a bit mad, I sort of like these (laughs) challenges. (laughs) It felt so different to me, so so unusual. I have never questioned the thought of doing it. Like it was offered, we were supposed to do it three years ago, but COVID of course shut it down. And it was one of those things that sort of no brainers. And for some reason for me, this is a no brainer. And you know, other people can psychologize that, but I I find it really scary and really interesting at the same time. I'm eternally fascinated by my job. I mean, luckily so. I find it fascinating and sort of mystifying acting and I find it kind of magic and you don't really know when and why things work and things don't and you're constantly you have that especially stage work that amazing relationship with the audience which where you're both having to commit to an act of imagination you know i think that's kind of extraordinary and so if you in a room full of you know 500 people watching you you and the actors and those audience members are all together committing to an act of imagination and that's and the idea of belief and believing in something and that's sort of amazing so i i think that my job i always find a bit mysterious and kind of strange and um i never quite understand it so i think something like this for me is really interesting because it's observing how i how i treat performance a bit like i wonder i don't know what i'm going to do to be honest and i haven't really looked at the script much i don't want to i'm i've got i'm next week i'm going to be working with nana to work out the choreography and certain things and we're going to have an actor come on just to give me a few ways that the men might act and for me to sort of give me tools to how to deal with that i don't i think my tendency usually, as an actor, is to create a character and to work very much on trying to understand who that person is and how they and why they might perform in the way they do or act in the way they do. And but with this, I kind of think that's kind of redundant. It doesn't. It's not about. It's not a character piece, really. It's really about how one person interacts with someone else and how you how the scene can be vastly different um, because of that. So I think I almost have to be an open vessel to whoever comes in and work with them, I think. But that that to me is really fascinating because I wonder if I will start, I will initially try to perform <laughs> as a character. And then as it goes on and I realise what this is and my tiredness creeps in, whether that sort of idea of performance goes away and actually it will be me just really negotiating whoever comes in. So I, I, I don't know yet, but that's, that's sort of why I'm drawn to it because I really don't know what I'm doing or what it's about and
1: what's going to happen. It sounds absolutely incredible. And have each of these 100 Martys been yeah. given a script? Are they yes. All, they have. Yes. OK, so they've all
2: got a script for it. And why is it called The Second Woman? Because the play in the Casavelli's film that this woman is in, this yep. actor is in, is called The Second Woman. OK,
0: OK. So, so <laughs> that's a good answer. <laughs> 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 Let's take that one step backwards.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, I haven't got any other answers to that. Like that <laughs> Again, you can ask now for <laughs> a proper reason as to why that's called The Second Woman. But
0: Presumably all the Martys are actors. Because I certainly didn't get the call. No, they're not, uh, said. Audition they're not. For this. They're not <laughs> No, they're not. But how? I wonder. I'm desperate to know how the Young Vic contacts I know. Them. I they just Put an ad in the Evening Standard yeah. or something.
2: I don't know. Actually, they did. They have got good relationships with like the local community and lots of different communities. Actually, the Young Vic's one of the best places in terms of outreach. They do have amazing outreach programs. They do know how to contact different communities and bring them in. And but they did. It was under the guise of something else. Like I said initially. So when the men were first. Kind of workshopping it they were brought in and they were basically given sort of role plays and it was day of playing and game playing and seeing if they would be able to sort of cope with being on stage basically because we didn't we want people to enjoy this experience as much as being maybe scared about coming on but to kind of be enjoy enjoy it rather than be absolutely petrified <laughs> um, so the the process was a bit of just identifying those people that were going to be able to cope with it and have fun with it really and and Nat and Anna I haven't seen them I don't want to because I'm going to see them on the night, um, but the men of course the, the men. men yeah but, but not... you
1: might know one of them you just don't know what's going to happen do you I mean you
2: might it might no. end up
1: being an old friend of yours you might not even realise that
2: no exactly <laughs> I mean they have there are. I know that it may be dropping a little hint that some might have like a friend or two, an actor friend or two, drop in. But I. It's going to be like that Royal
0: College. It's going to be like that Royal College show where you buy a postcard and it ends up being a Hockney. You're going to turn up and see another famous actor if you come at the right moment.
2: (laughs) Exactly. So you might you might just catch a glimpse of someone for a five minute scene with me on stage with someone else that you might recognise. I mean, if
0: I mean, if Dominic West rocks up, it's going to be fascinating.
2: Yeah. Exactly. I actually think, though, I actually do think the act, the non actors will be more interesting because I just think it's funny. Like I was saying to you a minute ago about sort of mystifying place. Like actors know the dynamics and rules of performance, so they there's a sort of safe space in a way with an actor that you kind of understand. You can push and pull a scene because you know you're in make believe in a way. Yeah. Non actors. I don't know if they sort of work in those same rules of negotiation. So weirdly, I think it will be a much more honest sort of, um, much more honest kind of reaction that you get from them and um, performance in a way. So I, I think that might be more interesting for the audience to watch actually than actual actors come on.
0: It does sound more controlled than I thought it was going to be, which is a good thing, I think, because I was wondering if, you know, if you're one of these kind of, just random people who've turned up and you're watching it in the stalls, then you try and be clever, clever when you come on stage. But I think it, it won't work like that, presumably.
2: Yeah, well, you're not... They're going to try and not allow any of the men to have seen anything before they come in. So every man has been told you're not allowed to come and watch it prior because they don't want them to know what happens. And I mean, there's a script, but there's other things that happen. And... Yeah, I think when it was first done in Australia, it was a bit more free form. It was, you know, they ran out of men during the dead hours, so people in the audience were just getting up on stage and going, let me
0: have a go. <laughs>
2: and so I think it was... I mean, it might descend into that. If people don't turn up, we suddenly have dropouts and we need to pluck people from the audience. But Good
0: point. Charlotte and I should turn up at three in the morning. Yeah.
2: Yes, but please ha- do. <laughs> I was, <I> was <laughs> going to ask
1: how it does work with the audience then. So how's that going to work? So you don't buy a ticket for 24 hours and commit Well, you tickets.
2: can. Okay. You can. So... How it's going to work is there's tickets on sale. You can either buy... You can either sort of turn up on the... All tickets now are on sale on the door. So that's the only way you can get a ticket at this stage. Ah. Um, it's been some pre-sold tickets, but there's still loads available and they'll be available to turn up on the day. And you can either just buy for that one entry. So you go in and you can stay as long as you like. It's like a gallery experience. So you come in and out as you... It's a one-in-one-out process. So you can go and stay there for four hours if you want or or to two hours, or ten hours. And you're allowed to leave, but only for, like, a loo break. If you leave for longer than that, then you'll have right. to queue up again. Yeah. yeah. So you can buy a sort of a one-slot ticket, or you can buy a 24-hour ticket, which allows you to come in and out across the whole 24 hours. But like I said, you might have to queue up again if you go for longer than a loo break. You could be there all 24 hours, but I, I I'm not sure if anyone's going to... Be there with me. For t- I'd love someone to be there for, with me for twenty four hours.
0: Have you have you spoken to any of the actors who've done it before to see how it kind of? Because I can imagine there's a might even be a bit of PTSD at the end of this. I mean, it sounds an absolute yeah, marathon. I,
2: yeah. yeah, I am worrying if I'll ever act again. I mean, this might be the end of it. <laughs> Sorry to <laughs> I'm never <fast> it <laughs> again. <laughs> no, I know I am be off. I will go off and do something else. But you might love it so much that you want to restage it somewhere else. I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to see. Um Nana, no, no, no. They'll be there throughout the whole thing, giving me sort of notes. Or in those 15 minutes I have off, they'll come in and say, OK, um, try this with these people. Or And they've organised the men coming in. So they know the kind of nature of those men coming in. And they want a range in the two-hour blocks. So they've kind of organised all that to give the audience both the most amount. Of entertainment, but also me as well, and challenge and interest. But they said, you know, I said, what do you do? Like, I mean, what are your, I, you know, how to get through it? And they sort of said, well, just Red Bull. <laughs> I was like, oh no, haven't drunk that for like fifteen years. Well, as long as it's not with vodka, that's a normal thing, is it? <laughs> no, no. And actually, like really I actually, really interesting. <laughs> no, no. I know. I mean, that's the other thing. <laughs> exactly, what's going to happen to me if I take other substances? But. I did speak to a nutritionist actually, Greg the other day deals with lots of athletes and lots of celebrities who do kind of twenty four hour stamina pieces, and he said to me, you know, you you just keep eating sort of constantly little things and little things, yeah, like li- little often um, and do it early enough. Don't ever let yourself get hungry or thirsty. And he said, you know, coffee your your weirdest and awful the worst times for you are going to be around two a.m. to 6 a.m. because no even if people say they're going to turn up it'll be less in the audience and that's what you get your stimulation from and adrenaline from so that those four hours are going to be really tough so he said you know that's when you save your coffees for then and the week before, take coffee out of your diet, so that when you do drink that coffee, it has a you know, really good impact. <laughs> yeah,
1: because you can't um, drink it all for every because you're having a break every no. two hours. You can't have a coffee
2: every two hours, no. or you'd be no, wired. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So he said you've got to try and keep flat. It's about keeping sort of you know a level. A level. Yeah, as for as long as
1: possible. So what do you have to eat? What sort of things do you have to eat? Little or Pre- well, gel
0: packs. No, he was saying he <laughs> He's actually was saying astronaut. things.
2: <laughs> no, he was actually saying things like, uh, "It was really funny." it was saying like, um, "like a sausage roll," and I was like, "Really? What?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, sausage rolls, pizza." And I was like, "Aren't they? You know, they complex. Car-? He's like they're complex carbs, but you have protein on them as well. So it's like, you know, he was saying all the things that you would never usually yeah. eat in a diet, or not, or you're not supposed to eat. And then he said, you know, just mix like variation because you to get so bored of the food. You know, yeah. so you just keep varying it. and But he said things like, yeah, sausage rolls and um pasties, oh, pork, pi- pork so- pies. I was no. like, ooh, yeah. Well, yeah do you yeah, think yeah.
1: that would really weigh you down and slow you up? Because Well, you, it's it,
2: not a whole lot of it. It's, a, you know, you're eating little bits of it. So you're just, you're not having a, you're not eating a whole pasty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm you're ex- having just a, a bite of it. But luckily on stage there is... You know, I do have to eat in the scene, so this is fine. I actually think that will sustain me. It's um the the male actor he brings on some food for us to share. It's also filmed on on stage. So what ha- I'm going to be in a sort of gauze uh, box, which is all lit with purples and pinks. So it's a bit sort of Paris, Texas, and then next to it, I'm also we're also going to be shot filmed by a camera team. So that will be projected next to it. So there's sort of close-ups of both myself and the male performer that the audience can also look at, as well as the live performance. So it will look like a sort of installation as well.
0: And presumably we can watch it on the Young Vic's website when it's all over.
2: I don't know, actually. We are... I'm not entirely sure. I think it. we're sort of planning to record it for documentary purposes, but I'm not sure that if the Young Vic... If it's ever been out as a 24-hour... Thing that can be seen i don't think it has
1: is this the first time it's been staged outside of
2: australia no it was done in taiwan <laughs> and it was done in new york but this is the european premiere and they were saying it's fascinating culturally i mean they once they did it in australia and they did lots of different areas in australia i think they did it about five times over there then they did it in taiwan and they said i mean phenomenal how obviously how different the culturally how different it is and how the men and women deal with those scenes and what it means for them. And they said, it's it's really fascinating. And I was like, well, I wonder what the UK kind of, what you'll get from the performances of the men here. And I was thinking, I think it's going to be like eccentricity because that's kind of what British people are very eccentric. So I have a feeling that it might be quite <laughs> weird and fun, but quite eccentric. I don't know.
0: But also London is a global city. So you'll actually get, a whole range yes. of different cultures yeah. sitting in front of Yeah,
2: exactly. It. Exactly. It'd be very multicultural and very... Yeah, it, it, you're right, entirely. The scene itself is a study of power dynamics as well in a relationship. Mm. So it's... And it's constantly about sort of negotiating or working out the power balance. And depending on how someone comes into the scene, I will have to be negotiating that power balance. Like, for me... The Theatre is my space and I understand that space, so even though uh, the scene is about the man breaking up with me and seemingly having the power, actually the space is mine and the domain is mine, so that's the power kind of balances out in that way. But throughout the scene there's lots of different, it's choreographed in a way and written in a way that there's constantly these shifts of balance of power. So I think in different cultures that's sort of been interpreted differently and mm. has a different you know overall it becomes a study of that really
1: and what are you going to do after this because you know you, you might have to lie down for a week
2: <laughs> yeah I, I'm probably going to go away or just go on holiday or just like <laughs> lie down for a week go straight to bed and um, wake up and think that was a weird dream I don't <laughs> I don't know if it'll, it's always going to feel like did that even happen was that real?
1: So you don't have a new project coming up no. after this?
2: I, oh, no, course. I was, luckily I was going to, well, I, I don't know, lucky, unlucky, whatever. But I was going to do another play around this. And it was going to be rehearsing sort of up to and straight after. And I was like, I, it didn't happen in the end. And I'm actually very glad because I just don't think I could have handled it. I mean, the writer's strike has sort of meant that lots of things are sort of quiet this summer. But I start again in September. So I've got a nice three-month break which is lovely Uh, and what are you doing in september i can't really say at the moment it's a film oh but just wait we always wait wait until it's definitely happening before you say anything but i've just been finished a tv series which is about the magdalene laundries oh that's a six part episode thing for bbc and showtime which will be coming out this year at in the autumn is that based on that lovely novel um, no, I, it's not. No, that beautiful Claire Keegan. Yes, novel. yes, thank yes. you, thank you. Yes. yes. No, it's not based on that. It's, a, it's an original piece and it's it's almost a gothic horror around the Magdalene laundries and a crime mm. thriller in it. It's written by a guy, a guy called Joe Murta and it's about this set in this community in the west of Ireland and suddenly, you know, news erupts about the discovery of some... Bones and bodies, uh, remains of babies um, in tomb or a place like tomb, mm. And it kind of erupts the secrets within this little town and community. And there's a murder that takes place. So it's all, it's all kind of, it's quite genre but it's about that, really. It uses that as the context and talks about sort of community trauma, really. Mm. And, and what role do you play in that? I play one of the women whose child was taken away from them mm-hmm. in one of the mother and baby homes. And it's now 20 years ago that happened, or 25 years ago that happened, and now the sort of ghosts of the past are coming up and she has to deal with them. And and it's all come back to roost.
1: And it's, I mean, it's so shocking how much that happened. And and it, it just now, as we seem to be shining a light on it now, all these years later. I don't, I mean, I don't think the
2: light is really bright enough, to be honest. No, <laughs> In terms I, no. of shining a light on it, I think mm. it's, it comes and goes, and the conversation comes and goes. There was a film made 25 years ago, and then there was Philomena made, but there's yes. not a great deal of drama. I mean, it's hard to make a drama about it, but... There's not a great deal of literature or work about it. And it's still something that is deeply shameful and Mm. it's still something that people don't really want to kind of face or deal with. And the women that, you know, there's a whole group of women that are fighting for compensation or for these laundries to be sort of identified properly and for these, I mean, the tomb, there's a place called Tomb which they found these remains in a septic tank um behind this <gasps> oh. mother and baby home and it was up to something like 200 i mean i might get the figures wrong but it's like, like 296 or something remains of bodies <sighs> and they still haven't unearthed you know they haven't they wanted to dig them up and to sort of give proper identify you know, identify those remains and they still haven't done that
1: so just going back now to um the second woman. so yes. um what do we tell our listeners to do? Just show up at the Young Vic on, on the yeah. day, on the 19th yeah. of May. From what time?
2: Well, it starts at 4pm It starts at four p.m. in the afternoon uh, and goes on to 4pm, obviously, on Saturday the 20th. And I would advise just to turn up. There might be a queue, um, but the queue is going to be constantly moving. It will be. It does seem to, Nat and Anna said it kind of moves pretty smoothly the whole time. There will be hours which, which will be quieter, obviously. And I think there might be, I think the young Vic are going to install a, a queue cam. <laughs> so <laughs> a bit like the Queen. Uh, <laughs> um, so it might get Holly and Phil kind of trying to dash in. But um, you can see, so you might be able to look online or something and see when the queue is particularly low. But to be honest, I think that's the best time. That's the best way to get tickets and you will get in. It's just going to be a sort of constant moving. And I think the young Vic are going to have uh, a late license and all sorts of things, fun things happening on the day as well um, at the location. So it should be a quite a festival atmosphere.
1: It's such a fantastic
2: theatre. Everything's just everything they do there is gold. Really, yeah, it? it's always been a very special place. It's always felt to me the most kind of community theatre that we have in the U- in London. You know, it felt it feels diverse. It feels young. It feels vibrant. It feels experimental. It feels like it pushes. And it and, and draws in, actually, I mean, what David Land did years ago was brought in loads of um, directors, European directors, African directors, you know, who's pulling from the world outside of the UK. Mm. And that's actually what our theatre needs, because it's, you know, we have a very distinct way. We were very reverent to language, we, which is great, and Shakespeare. And, but actually, some of the most interesting directors, I find, are from Europe or elsewhere, and the way they interpret theatre, or what theatre is to them, is very different. And so the more we can sort of bring that into our culture, it, can, it will have a radical change on the theatre that we watch. But I think David Land started that, and Kwame's continuing it, and it's, it's really exciting to have spaces like that, and essential.
1: And, and these two are, are Australian, aren't they, these, these two? Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. So they were found through a, there's a festival called Lift Festival, which happens every two years. And they collect or collect, well, they go around and select really interesting theatre and performance art and installations from around the globe that happen at sort of theatre festivals. And they put them on in a festival here. And The Second Woman was one of those that was going to happen in 2020 at the Lyft Festival, um, which was going to be, there were lots of different productions happening in different spaces around London of different things. And The Second one was one of them. But so, Lift Festival have brought it here already. They've produced it. Amazing. I'm going to be in that queue. I can't wait. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, bring all your friends. And <laughs> bring a picnic. <laughs> sausage, enjoy, rolls. I mean, sausage rolls. Sausage yeah, rolls and pizza. Sausage rolls. Exactly. <laughs> sausage rolls. I think what they were saying that, you know, Nana was saying, like, after about three men <laughs> or two or three men, the audience starts to sort of understand what it is. You know, because it's it is sort of like a piece of art in a way and it's repetitive, but they start to understand what it is and then you get more out of it. And I think from the people that have gone to watch it, it is, I mean, everyone will take something else from it, but I think for the audience members as well, if you come back, you know, and you see other people that you saw three hours ago or, you know, you start to build a relationship with the people in the audience as well, because you're all sharing a quite unique experience and... You're all reacting to how some a different man does something differently, and so it's it becomes very shared as an experience, I think, and I I think that's quite special and quite unique actually. And I think what's so interesting about this as well is because it's a one-off
1: thing and one night only. There's mm-hmm. no reviews or anything. I mean, no one, none of us has any idea <laughs> how it's going to no. go or how it's going to go down or how everyone's going to
2: react. It's absolutely fascinating. No. And yeah. also, you know, in some ways, even if critics come, which they, I'm sure they will, but they'll be re- critiquing the hours that they see rather than, yeah. you know, actually what's, you know, my journey throughout it is going to be one of survival <laughs> or, <Yeah. laughs> or whatever, or, or pure tiredness or elation. or I'll be, I mean, I'll go through all waves of emotion and they'll just see the section they see and that's all they can really comment on unless they stay for the whole stint um and, and, and even so quite weird because what it, you know they can't it's
1: not as if anyone can read it yeah. and then go oh great yeah. i must go to that because it's finished yeah. and done it's so interesting
2: i mean for me that's really brilliant it's just yeah. like well you get a one-off experience you all experience what you had what you had what what mm. you saw and and what not said is it interesting people do tend to come back because once they've been they they're like Oh God! They wake up and she's like, "Oh, she's still at it. <laughs> she's still there." And I'm like, "Oh, go and go down and have a coffee and go and see, you know, how she's doing and what else might or what else did I miss or did I miss anything?" So I'm, I'm fascinated. I, I, I'm sort of trying not to think too much about it because it freaks me out. So I just have to, <laughs> just take day by day. And it, the days are sort of, <laughs> I know mean, it's coming up <laughs> quicker than I realized. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the experience of it. I think it, it's going to be also brilliant backstage the whole young the young vic crew and everyone around are organizing they're all making a big event of this and having fun doing that so i think for everyone else all of us have got got through the night it will be an experience for everyone and something to celebrate at the end well,
1: huge good luck with it, Ruth. Thank
2: you. <laughs> thank you for coming <laughs> on and telling
1: us about it. I mean, how? No. What a, thank you. Amazing. Good luck. <laughs> no, thanks so much. Thanks for asking me on, and I'll see you there afterwards. We'll see you there <laughs> from next week. We're going to be releasing our podcast every Friday, so you don't have to wait till Sunday to listen. Next Friday, tune in to hear us talking to the celebrated documentary photographer. Dapheth Jones, who worked for many years for Tina Brown as a social photographer for Tatler, and then shot to fame with the photographs of Bright Young Things at Oxford, capturing people like Nigella Lawson, Hugh Grant, and I believe you, Ed.
0: Yes, there is a photo of me at a uh, fashionable drinks party in Oxford, looking incredibly cool and debonair. It's amazing I wasn't picked as the next James Bond. But anyway, it helped because it made me buy a copy of the book, so... The more people you put in the book, the more you sell. Anyway, next week, Daffy's going to be telling us about his new book, Brilliant Observed Photographs. I'm not in this one. It's still in the 1980s. It's called England, The Last Hurrah. So don't fail to tune in then to hear how he infiltrated some of the grandest institutions, stately homes and parties in the land to commemorate a world that's all but disappeared. And it's quite an interesting social history of how Tatler became this kind of society Bible under him and Tina Brown.
1: As usual, you can find us at countryandtownhouse.com where you'll also find the latest edition of the magazine as well as be able to listen to our sister podcast, House Guest with Carol Annette, talking to some of the most fascinating and influential names in interior design. We love your feedback and we'd also like to hear if there's anything you'd like to hear us profiling or changing. So please send me a comment or email us on charlotte at countryandtownhouse.co Thank you very much indeed for listening and see you next week. Goodbye.